Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results, and they are all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Michelle Rodriguez, Superintendent of Pajaro Valley Unified School District, the largest district in Santa Cruz County, California. Prior to becoming a superintendent in 2016, Michelle was a lifelong educator in Southern California, experienced as an assistant superintendent in K-12 teaching and learning, and a dual immersion teacher, literacy coach, principal, technology consultant, and district administrator. Michelle also participates as a panelist of the Education Research Development Institute, also known as ERDI, which works to create a rich and meaningful forum for educational leaders and innovators to collaboratively discuss, design, and shape K-12 products and services. ERDI panelists represent best-in-class educational leaders who are committed to ensuring all students have access to the highest quality learning experiences. I had an opportunity to connect with Michelle at ERDI to learn about her and the outstanding work she and her district team have done with students and families. So I asked her to join as a guest to share some of her work with our listeners. Thank you, Michelle, for joining our show today. Glad to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I appreciate that. Great. So let's start a little bit, if you would. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background, Michelle. Sure. So um, just quickly, so I come from a family of educators. So I was raised by a superintendent. My father was superintendent. Um, My mother was a teacher and then administrator of an alternative education high school. So I was really raised um, from a very young age, well, my whole life, um, really understanding the importance of educational equity and and also just being an advocate for um, those that don't possibly have a voice for themselves. So Uh, my entire career. So I've been in education now almost 30 years and my entire career has really been based on serving vulnerable student populations, whether that was as a bilingual or um, literacy teacher. Um, I was a reading recovery teacher um, down in San Diego in the City Heights area, which is a very impoverished area. Then started to get into administration. So did everything from assistant principal all the way up to chief academic officer. And now I am the superintendent of Pajaro Valley Unified School District um, and have been here for approximately four years. And I think the the two things to know about me is one, for many, many years, I only spoke in Spanish both at home and at school. I was the Spanish model for a dual immersion school for over eight years. And so for that time, I really didn't speak um, any, any English during that time. And I also have lived in Mexico City and Puerto Vallarta for um, multiple years. And so I am um, consider myself um, not only bilingual, but bicultural as well. Absolutely. I didn't realize that, Michelle. That's, um, you know, I'm sure you can provide a lot of contributions to the students and their families to help them with having a better understanding of the world in which they live and how to navigate that world a little bit. So great experiences that you have and, you know, just know that you do such a good job. And I had the pleasure to meet you this summer and really appreciated that. So let's talk a little bit then about the district that you lead. You referred to it, but uh, talk a little bit more about your district and the community that you serve. 
Sure. So um, we are about an hour and a half from um, San Francisco, 30 minutes from Santa Cruz. So we're Pajaro Valley Unified School District. We're a conglomerate of five different cities. Our largest two cities is um, Watsonville and then Aptos. Watsonville is the heart of the harvesting area. So I always say many of us, um, whether it's Driscoll's Berries or it's Martinelli Cider, both of those companies are actually housed and homed here in Watsonville. We are a very rural community and for the most part most of our students are um, low socioeconomic so students of poverty. We have 81% of our students who live in, in poverty. 66% of those students are um, English learners, either current English learners or former English learners. I think two other things that's very unique about Pajaro Valley is one, the number of migrant um, students that we have. So we have students who come and leave our system. And so we have about 10% of our students who come in and leave the system. We serve a little over 20,000 students. Now we're, we've been declining enrollment a bit. So we were 21,000. Um, now we're a little over 20,000. Um, and then the next is that we do serve 14% of our students, our special education. We are a hub for foster youth. So we have many large foster homes, group homes here. So we do have a large number of students who are not only special education, but who are also homeless and foster youth. And so we, I specifically chose um, PVUSD um, as a location um, because of those very students that we serve. And um, we're proud to serve them and um, support educational equity for them. Yeah, I was, that was what I was going to just come back and probably ask or reinforce my guess, Michelle, is that you made a specific choice to be in that district to provide that service, you know, just from what you've talked about yourself and your background and what you felt like you could contribute. Is that right? Yes. I mean, um, so I came from, I spent um, prior to this job, I was in Santa Ana Unified for seven years. And so Santa Ana Unified is is very, very similar to the Watsonville side of PBUSD. So all um, Latino students, English learners and students of poverty. So that definitely my entire career has been based on those vulnerable student populations. Again, I think I said it in my intro, but I believe in being an advocate for those who don't have an advocate for them. When I was asked to apply here, I, that was my first question, um, was what, you know, what students, um, do you serve? Because at that time I, um, my father was actually superintendent in Turlock. So I had, you know, kayaked in the sloughs. <laughs> I had done things in Watsonville, but I didn't, I didn't translate Watsonville and the Santa Cruz area to Pajaro Valley. Um, I didn't know the name of the school district. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, so, you know, and I could tell, so this summer when I connected with you, you told the story about your school district, you know, and I just, I mean, we just, we continue on our team to talk about what you did with, with your district when COVID hit and we were making those transitions and you built an engagement with your parents when we were shifting that learning model. And, you know, we just, uh, on our team, we continue to refer back between the, the berries, Michelle, and the story that you tell with parents, you stay alive and well in conversations with our team. So would you mind sharing that story that you told us about what you did to reach out to your parents during that time? Sure. 
Sure. So we, we really believe in, um, we call it facilitating 360 degree communication. Um, we really want to support that multilingual support. Um, so we did everything that was very traditional that most school districts did, you know, such as creating a COVID-19 tab and doing, I do um, what's called weekly and I'm, we just published version 16. So that shows how long we've been doing. Ask Dr. Rodriguez. So I do an Ask Dr. Rodriguez weekly. And then we do something called conversations with the superintendent. But what you're referring to is we have a multilingual support system. So there's really two things that we're doing with parents that I think are unique. One is we have a hotline at its peak. We had about 10 people each day that was manning the the line. Um, and we still have it to this day. People can still call the number. And um, we've provided over now 4,000 calls. We responded to over 4,000 parent calls, tech support calls. We did it in three languages. So we did it in English and Spanish and Mesteco Bajo. Mesteco Bajo is an indigenous language um, that is not a written language. And so if you go on to my website, you'll see videos. And sometimes people that don't know Mesteco Bajo will be like, well, where's the where's the letter in <laughs> and that's that's not possible because it's not a written language um but and then we also we had you know a conversation about how do you support people who are lacking technology skills with technology and that's a big challenge and so the second thing that we did that i think was really unique and um it still is currently happening it happens on tuesdays and thursdays is if they have a problem with their chromebook if a student or a parent has a problem with their chromebook and it can't be resolved over the phone we have a drive-up service where uh, again at its peak, we had about 10 technicians that were out there. Now we're down to about three or four because the numbers have really dwindled the people that need the support right now. But it's a drive-through. They literally, they don't get out of the car. They roll down their window. They provide us the Chromebook. They tell us what's wrong with the Chromebook. Sometimes it's a super easy fix. So it's, oh, you just need to do this. And we hand it back. If we have to, and we do that, we just replace it. That's the beauty of a Chromebook, right? Is It's a fairly inexpensive expensive machine so we can just quickly um, source it out. And we have helped over 900 families through that drive-through support. And again, we have all three languages represented there so that our families can communicate and really provide that service. So spectacular. In our work that we do, we really put service as front and center of that work, Michelle. And, you know, you just, what a great example. And I know it's natural. I think you just are natural at wanting to provide the best service to your families and you're thinking about you're not looking at it oh it's one more thing we have to do or it causes more work for somebody you know you're just looking at what needs to be done and providing that support and my guess is the people who are doing that work with those families are, get, are having great satisfaction in the work that they do based on their contribution that's probably the added, added bonus to that as well yeah. Well, we, we see their appreciation. I think we're, we're so fortunate because we have parents who are so appreciative of our efforts, right? So they, they so appreciate the extra mile that we go. And I, I do believe that we, we get back twice of what we put in. So we put in significant work and, and that allows us to not only see the benefits of our work, but also helps us go through the, the long hours that we put in um, to support. 
That's right. So, you know, we've talked about the transitions that you made and that, you know, you're continuing to do. And so let's take, let's, you know, summarize today with what's next, right? So in July, you announced that you were doing virtual learning, you know, with all grades. So, you know, what will that look like and what went into that decision, Michelle, as you were making that? That's a huge decision for everybody right now. So PVUSD, along with our two unions, so um, PVFT, which is our our teachers um, union, so Pajaro Valley Federation of Teachers and CSEA, which is our classified union, we actually made the decision about, you know, three weeks prior to then the state making it for us. So because we are in the state of California, if uh, our county is on the watch list, then we have to do distance learning unless we apply for a waiver. Um, We chose to do that because because we just knew from the infrastructure point of view, whether it was busing or food services, or just making sure that our buildings had the capacity to support um, the multiple groupings, that it was going to be important for us, for the health of our students and our staff to uh, go to full distance learning. Um, that, as I mentioned, that decision has now been made for everyone in the county by the state, but I really feel that it was um, the right decision, and that's why we chose to do so even prior to to that. You know, we've gotten a lot of accolades for the work that we did. So we started within a week of closure. We started um, by day four, we were handing out 15,000 Chromebooks and over 1,250 hotspots. So we were doing really good work at the beginning, but we know we have to continue to do better. So we really heard and we did a lot of surveying with our parents and students and staff. and, And so we heard three key things that needed Um, to be shifted. And so these are three different things that we're doing. One, we heard from all three stakeholders. So what was interesting is when we did the survey, all three stakeholders had the exact same concerns um, on the spring. So the first one was a feeling of isolation. Both staff, community, parents, and students all said that isolation was, was a big challenge for them. And so because of that, we now are doing daily synchronous learning with our students that we're going to start each morning with some social emotional learning curriculum. And so we're really trying trying to do a better effort of connecting students to students, students to parents, um, our community to our students, so that we all don't feel isolated in this situation, even though they won't physically be together. So we're start we're doing that. For the most part, students will be doing a whole part whole. So they'll start out whole group with their teacher, even at the high school level through an advisory. Then they'll go to Um, at the high school level, either their periods or they will wind up doing some small group work and then coming back again to whole group. The second was really being able to have a schedule. So, you know, kids kind of felt off rhythm. Um, Parents felt their students off rhythm um, because it was very much asynchronous learning. Um, And so now where we have a weekly planner that we have developed, Um, that students will know each day what they're responsible for, each day what are the links to their Google Meet classroom, classes that they have to attend um, to really keep them on track and also to help them to then when we are going to transition back, um, they'll, they'll have felt that they've been in school and so really um, helping with that 
sense of routine. So isolation routine. And then third was their social emotional needs. So we have developed and I can go into a lot of detail if, if it's desired, but um, we have a nonprofit called PVPSA. So Pajaro Valley Prevention Students and Assistance. We now have for this upcoming school year, we've reconfigured our contract with them to where they have a COVID team that is really providing additional level tier three uh, supports. So we have the teacher as tier one support. We have our own social emotional counselors as a tier two support. And we've always had them as a tier three support, but we've reconfigured it to where it's more linked to the distance learning structure. And we've added on to that contract. And so that's a little bit of how that's, uh, it's going to be different for next year. Yeah. You know, Michelle, you know, I, I mean, just the legwork and the continued connection to what you've done with probably your leadership team and your teachers, you know, and connecting with your families is, I can't imagine all the work that it took to get to where you are. And just the thoughtfulness that you all have had to be proactive in that is, is pretty unbelievable. You know, we have an opportunity to connect with people across the country. And I can tell you that you are a model for what people can learn from. So, and I'd love, we may just connect back with you about the last part at some point, maybe to get get understand that and get some deeper dive on it. We've had a, some connections with what the municipal government in Waukesha County and Wisconsin has done with their local schools. So we're, we're, we're trying to also understand how are we making this more of a community effort as well, you know, as an extension of what we do as a community. And I think you've used your internal and external and community resources in the best way. So um, I just thank you so much. Please extend our appreciation to your teachers and um, your community. Um, you're a model for people to follow and I can't wait for our listeners to hear what you've done and we'll provide resources and connect them back to your website as well. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us today. Okay. Thank you. Take care now. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Michelle's leadership is amazing. It's natural for her to lead to serve students and families. I think you can see that. As I leave today, I'm inspired to look in the mirror and reflect on how to make service the centerpiece of our work every day. I hope you leave with that thought as well. What if we all lead and work every day with a heart of service to others? If we do, we'll contribute to making a better world. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. Also, to learn more about our upcoming virtual events, webinars, and roundtables, visit studereducation.com events. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.